I'm Jeannie Kelly, your credit coach, and I'm so excited to have Wendy Bernard on today. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Jeannie. So excited to have you. And Wendy's an attorney and she has an amazing story. I love working with her and I wanted to definitely have her on, share her story and find out what she's working on right now. So Wendy, can you start out with, I love your story, but just how you got involved in becoming a lawyer? Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those, um, uh, you know, sort of childhood dreams, really. I uh, grew up in a family of school teachers in Jamaica. And quite honestly, the um, narrative that I sort of had bringing in my sort of background was, uh, you know, there were these professions that were available to me, and they were mostly academically driven. So today, it's so exciting that young people have all these options. But back then, you know, it was, you know, lawyer, a doctor, an accountant. And for me, the numbers don't work, the science doesn't work. So (laughs) I became a lawyer. And um, it's been uh, 20 years so far. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I met you because you do a lot of real estate transactions, you know, and that's how we met. So I know you're in the state of Connecticut. Now, is that where the only state you can help clients in or for for real estate transactions, Jeannie, Connecticut and New York, typically. But the other part of my business um, is on my law firm. And it really started with the regulatory compliance, which nobody knows what that means. So I always say, you know, if you remember back in the day when, you know, we had the big uh, mortgage crises and everybody, uh, you know, sort of went into foreclosure and there were bad loans to people who couldn't afford them for whatever reason. Uh, There were lots of laws that were implemented after that point, uh, collectively known as the Dodd-Frank Act. But these laws covered and sort of re-engineered old laws that were already on the books, but never really enforced. And uh, I help my clients who are typically mortgage brokers or mortgage bankers to follow those laws so that when they do provide mortgages to people who are buying uh, real estate, that, you know, they um, provide them with good mortgages that they can afford in a nutshell. (laughs) Right. So does that mean, though, that you can help lenders in Florida, Massachusetts, or just in Connecticut? Yeah. So with compliance, um, the majority is federal law. So in the federal law components, it really doesn't matter where they are, but for state law matters, you know, if they are going to be represented, for example, before, you know, a state banking commission or any matter of litigation, it has to be in a state where I am licensed, which is New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Um, I do have one of the attorneys that work with us does live in Florida and is licensed there and New York as well. And we just brought on another attorney who is also uh, licensed in a few other states. So we're getting ready to expand there as well. I love that. Okay. So, I mean, so that is, I mean, that is so important. I remember, of course, with being in this industry over 20 years, I remember what you're talking about. Like it was the crash in 2008 and everything changed. And remember back then, even mortgage loan officers, they didn't need a license. That is true. Remember? 
Yes. So it's incredible to think about it, right? Because loan officers who will know more about your finances, your credit, your bank account, everything about you when you apply for a mortgage had no standards and no barriers to entry. They could do any job yesterday and then move into the mortgage industry tomorrow, or they could do something bad to consumers in one state, and then they would just move to another state and who would know. But one you know, fact that a lot of people, even in the mortgage industry, aren't really aware of, it is that it is mortgage brokers who first proposed licensing and a barrier to entry for the mortgage industry. A lot of people in the industry think this is just a government imposition, but in fact, the National Association of Mortgage Brokers had written Um, long before the SAFE Act, which is the statute that now licenses loan officers, long before that was ever passed, um, mortgage brokers at the National Association of Mortgage Brokers, NAM, um, drafted a proposed uh, licensing statute. They couldn't get it passed. There was no traction for that. But um, with a meltdown, When uh, President Bush was leaving office, he did see the value in that and signed it into law. That's President uh, George Bush. He signed it into into law. And so that was the Secure and Fair Enforcement for Mortgage Licensing Act of 2008, which gave the mortgage industry two years to prepare and Mm -hmm. licenses were implemented in 2010. And in some states, like even Connecticut, when it was implemented and required background checks and um, credit history and um, uh, uh, you know criminal history and an educational requirement and taking a test, Connecticut uh, lost roughly about seventy-five percent of the people who were doing mortgages just on the fact that. Some didn't want to be bothered with the standards. Some couldn't pass the test. Some couldn't meet the financial responsibility standards or credit history uh, requirements. Um, and some couldn't couldn't uh, meet the criminal uh, background uh, checks. So there was a great attrition. And so I believe that the mortgage industry today is way more accountable and, you know, um, for uh consumers who are looking for a mortgage they have much more protections and uh the loan officers and the banks and brokers they use have a unique identifying number you know it's called an nmls number like a social security number almost but it's public and it goes with the uh, contracts and the, uh, uh, pardon me, the, the notes at closing um, and the life for the life of the loan. So whereas back in 2008, you had no idea how to trace down who the bad guys were who perpetrated oh. these matters. Now, when you go to closing, all that information is on your documents it is on the the closing disclosure. It's on the note. It gets recorded, and so forever. You will always know who the people were 
that helped you with the mortgage and um, you can trace that history and hold them accountable if indeed there were bad acts committed. So I see. Is that also why you're saying if if they go to another state, they still have the mortgage broker would still have the same NMLS NMLS number? Yes. There is a website available to the public. It's it's at www.nmls, which means Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System. So it's NMLS Consumer Access dot org and there when you go it's public it's available to the public and so people can you know if you're dealing with a loan officer or a mortgage company you can go there type their names in sometimes you have to narrow the criteria because a lot of banks or people have the same sort of names but if you know their nmls number NMLS number, you can put it in and it will return information and it shows 10-year work history for the loan officers, for example. It shows all the states where they're licensed to do business. Mm. And then at the bottom of that page, it shows whether the loan officer or the mortgage company has been subject to any administrative action by a regulator. So it's a very useful tool for the public. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome information. And also you said credit history. Tell me about this for mortgage loan officers. They, They need to get their license a certain score or is it just the information? Yeah, so there is no score, even though that's a um, frequently misunderstood, um, you know, fact in the industry. I find loan officers all the time wondering about a score. So what the SAFE Act says is the loan officer needs to demonstrate financial responsibility, right? Because they're helping people with mortgages, right? And so this is their area. They should have a demonstrated level of financial responsibility. But the the beauty of the SAFE Act is that life happens and it recognizes that life happens. So so I, for example, help loan officers who have had bankruptcies in their past, foreclosures, who have a bad credit history or who have had situations that can be explained, Mm -hmm. right? Because what the regulators know that the score by itself doesn't necessarily tell the full story. So, for example, someone who may have had great credit history and have gone through their lives responsibly may have a, a situation that happens, for example, where they're going through a bad divorce and, you know, that leads to, um, you know, mortgage related is- issues or bills or so forth, or someone who has ordinarily been responsible financially in their lives, they've had a illness, right? Mm-hmm. And they can't keep up with the payments, they're getting uh, medical, um, you know, bills that are overwhelming, and that negatively impact their credit report. And I know, you know, better than I, there have been a lot of movements in the law to protect people from some of those um, unfair medical billing history. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, you have uh, life happens, right? And so regulators are interested in largely when they look at credit reports is, If there are issues, what has that loan officer done to remedy them? 
Did they put their heads in the sand and not talk to their creditors or have they approached their creditors and they're demonstrating what is called a willingness to pay, right? Um, Mm -hmm. the, The mortgage industry looks at both ability to pay. That's a very important factor. You know, when somebody's getting a mortgage, what is your ability to repay that mortgage? And so regulators look at not just the ability, but the willingness. Have they gone out and made arrangements um, to repay the debt? What are they doing? You can't just ignore it. That does not demonstrate financial responsibility, right? So that's a huge part of um, the sort of credit evaluation. And if there is a good story to be told, it's truthful, it can be told in a way that demonstrates what the SAFE Act requires, which is um, financial responsibility. And as you have told me, uh, uh, Jeannie, a lot of these issues are resolved over time. And so someone that starts out with a, um, or or that finds themselves in a situation where their credit is, you know, a little dicey for licensing purposes. um, And they're demonstrated to the regulator that they're doing the right thing. And they're just addressing it over time, those scores absolutely improve. And, um, you know, they, they don't need to uh, worry about it anymore, as long as they continue to demonstrate uh, that financial uh, responsibility. Yeah, and definitely you need someone like Wendy Bernard, you have to have you helping them because they can't navigate it on their own when it comes to their license, 100%. But I think, you know, you you help people too to understand, you know, you know, a lot of people define themselves by certain criteria. And oftentimes a credit score can be a defining um, quality for a person who then sees themselves as less than if a life situation happens, right? And their credit score is no longer what it used to be. But I think um, one of the great um, qualities you have when dealing with your clients, Jeannie, is to show them that there's a path forward, right? They need someone like Jeannie Kelly to help them to find that path forward. But also, you know, dealing with that whole person, just like I do with, you know, my clients and reassure them into understanding that, you know, while the credit score is an important target to achieve, it doesn't define who you are as a person. So that helps you to be more empowered to get your credit right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid, right? Right. Like a lot of times they don't want to think about it until they have to. And that's unfortunate. I want them. That's why we have the podcast. Yeah. Proactive, right? So if we're, if you're having a hard financial time, at least if you're learning about credit, you know how to navigate. Absolutely. You know, that part of your financial wellness. And that's why it's so important. And talking about credit, since we are, I always love asking everyone who comes on, how did you start learning about credit? Yeah. So interestingly, um, my very first credit card that I got in college was $500. And I went out and spent the $500 the day I signed the credit card. um, And I spent it in one single store buying I don't know what. (laughs) I bet shoes. (laughs) <laughs> shoes, maybe? Probably with shoes and gloves, love your right? shoes. Um, yes, but the, the interesting thing, Jeannie, is that that $500 cost me a lot. Right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, 
But for a college student with oh, a yeah. part-time job, it might as well have been a million dollars. So yeah. I learned about, you know, credit the hard way. And, um, you know, it would have been great if there was, um, you know, that knowledge and information that you're putting out there uh, available to college students and so forth. And, you know, I use that experience all the time because, as you know, I spent 24 years in the military, in the United States Army Reserves. And in my capacity as a leader, I encountered, uh, you know, several young soldiers that um, for the first time in their lives had a steady job where they would... um, you know, have a consistent paycheck. And there were a lot of circumstances near army bases where there are predatory lending um, practices that were basically perpetrated by, uh, you know, car dealers and other credit service providers um, who would use the army's system of ensuring that, you know, soldiers did not have uh, these um, debts that were unpaid for. Mm-hmm. And that used to be the case in the military. It's, it's not anymore, but literally they would give the soldier without any credit qualification, a car or, you know, furniture or, um, you know, flat screen TVs, whatever was available on credit, knowing that they had a steady paycheck coming to them even if that paycheck did not warrant the debt they were getting themselves into, right? Mm. And what would happen is those stores and those um, dealers knew that if the soldier did not pay, they could go straight to the commander and inform the commander that the soldier had a bad debt. And then they would take an allotment out of the soldier's pay even before the soldier got paid. Wow. Or, or force the soldier to pay, um, you know, or face consequences. Today, that is no longer the case. Oh, um, goodness. <laughs> yes. The, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau passed a lot of um, regulations that dealt with those things. But if you can imagine creditors who say, you know, I know you don't have the credit score, you don't meet the risk factor, but I'm going to give it to you because I know I can collect on your pay, right? Yeah. Um, And so that, you know, I use that history of, you know, my recklessness with a $500 credit card to point out to soldiers how important it was for them to really pay attention to these matters. And, you know, on a bigger and a greater point than that, one of the reasons the military certainly is interested in having uh, military members demonstrate financial responsibility and not getting over their head because, of course, depending on your um, you know position in the military, you might have access to government secrets. And if somebody comes along to get you out of your financial difficulty by having you sell government information, mm-hmm. it might feel like a um, you know not so risky prospect if the financial reward is great. So there are a lot of underlying reasons, but while those factors are still balanced in the military today, the, the military doesn't allow third party private companies to prey on soldiers and get them into debt that they can't pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And thank you for your service. 
was my honor. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And that is a goal of mine to talk to the military and to financial wellness. It's so uh, yeah. important yeah. because, yeah. you know, we know how much financial stress, what it does for our, our health. You know, yeah. I always say wealth, health, you yes. know, it, there is a big part where just learning about credit can change everything. Because I always say when I was broker than broke, you know, and in the red <laughs> yeah. and paying yeah. so much money where the lesson had to be learned. Right. Uh, right. But when I did that, that's when I needed the help. Right. That's when I didn't want to pay the huge interest rate, but I had to, to feel that lesson. I'm trying to change that because it'd be so much nicer when you yeah. need the help to not have to pay that. So building healthy credit along the way, and it's just really knowing what to do. You right. know, I, I like to think of credit as a game, even though, you know, I'm just to have fun with it because yeah. credit isn't that much fun, but you know, when you, <laughs> when you think of it as a game, it can yeah. be, you know, when you think about the, how much money you're saving instead of how much it's costing or right. the perks with your credit cards. When people say to me, Oh, I don't want to use credit cards, but, but if you're going to pay something off right away and all those rewards and membership and keeping up a healthy credit report and, yes. you know, it, it's definitely worth playing that credit game. So, you know, well, I it's been great to have you as a friend, Jeannie, because, you know, so much of what I even, you know, being in the um, financial markets with mortgages and understanding that from a consumer perspective, it's always great to hear your insights. And I think that what you provide as a service and this information that you share with the public is invaluable. And like I said, had I known that I might not have gone and, you know, to the store and spent <laughs> $500 all in one place and then pay for it for years after, right. um, you know, years after that thrill of that, you know, new pair of shoes was gone. So <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it. Now, Wendy, to end this before we do like what big projects, what are you working on right now? Right. So I am actually in the process of putting out into the universe, my first time home buyer uh, guide. And um, it's a project that I've been working on for quite a while. Um, so I, I feel like at this point, I need to just get it out there. Um, yep. You know, analysis by or paralysis by analysis, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, it, it is something that I'm looking forward to before the summer is over. Um, and I'll send you a, a copy to read before. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I'll have to have That's you. That's like my big thing. I'm very passionate about that, Dini, because I believe that homeownership uh, stabilizes families and communities. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, if I can just share this one last story, my son purchased his first house at 24 years old, Love a family home where he basically doesn't pay a mortgage because the tenant pays it for him. That would never happen, have happened to me at 24. I didn't have the mindset, but because of the information and the knowledge that he had living in a house where we had these conversations, I was actually surprised that he was able to navigate it. The only people think I, I really like handheld him through the process, but the only thing I did was introduce him to a mortgage uh, loan originator that I trusted. And that was right. that. And I have to say, I that's why I believe so much in what you're doing, because when you have access to the knowledge, you can do amazing things. Yes. 
Absolutely. And I'm excited for that. And I can't wait to see. So we'll have you back on and we'll definitely want to be sharing that information. Wendy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it was great chatting. I love it. So thank you. And uh, Wendy, where do people find you? Yes. So um, my website is bernardlawgrp.com. That's bernardlawgrp.com. They can email me at wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, at bernardlawgrp. That's group without the vowels.com. And then our number in our office is 203-805-4521. Awesome. Reach out to Wendy if you're a loan officer or banker needing to make sure everything's done right. And uh, she's definitely the best there is out there. So thank you so much. Anyone in my in the Connecticut looking for an attorney to represent them to buy, sell or refinance, we're happy to help you with that too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeannie. This was great. I love Love it. it.